0: inside. Indie Star Preps Weekly got the name right. Going to skip the banter four times the charm. Kyle Nedner at Bakeem Kyle, what game did you cover?
1: I covered Brownsburg and Ben Davis, and it was a uh, statement win for Brownsburg. They really uh, got out to a 24 nothing lead. Uh, played from ahead the whole time. Ben Davis had a um, a muff punt that kind of they had him stop the first possession. Kind of the, the storyline, you know, we talked about last week was Jaden Whittaker. How would he come out with his ankle injury? I came covered that game a couple weeks ago against HSC. He didn't come back in the game. And you, they were kind of leading up to the game. Knew he was going to play. You know, did, knew, knew that. Didn't know how well he would play or how mobile he would be. Uh, but after a, after a slow start in the first series, uh, he really got it going. He had a nice pass to Corey Smith. It was about 31 yards down to the three. They score right after the punt, uh, muff punt. And it was kind of on from there. I think he hit uh, his about eight passes in a row complete and a couple 50-50 balls. Jason Simmons, Ben Davis coach after the game, said he was talking in his headset like we couldn't cover that any better. There's nothing we could do. Uh, so, you know, credit to Whitaker, credit to Corey Smith. He made, you know, and uh, Freddie Hawthorne had a nice catch. Uh, and then really the uh, Brownsburg defense, I thought, really came to play. They, they handled uh, – Everything Ben Davis threw at him in the first half and, and like I said, got out that 24 nothing lead. Then in the third quarter, had two interception returns for touchdowns. <laughs> and, that, and that was, uh, you know, pretty much did. As Ben Davis was trying to come back, to have that happen just kind of turn the any, any chance of a comeback around. So, you know, just a great uh, performance overall from Brownsburg. I, I thought Ben Davis, you know, just you, once you get behind the sticks, they turn over four times and, and you get behind on the scoreboard anyway. Uh, it's just hard to beat a team like that. And the only chance they had really in the second half was kind of to see if if, if Brownsburg would sort of uh, get too conservative and maybe allow them to get back in. If they didn't, and uh, Brownsburg moves on, a good win. They had never beat Ben Davis in, the, in a tournament postseason game. So uh, first time that's happened, they got over that hump now, and they'll play Avon. Uh, who they handled earlier this year uh, by a significant amount. And Avon's got two, they're two and eight. So uh, you would expect Brownsburg to move on potentially and play uh, Cathedral or LC in the next round.
0: Brownsburg continues to find ways to win big games. And Akeem, I'll bring out in this too. What is it about this team that's different? you've seen this season from past years, it's a lot them they've beaten Westfield, now they've beaten Dun davis they just keep beating a lot of good teams throughout this season. HSE, they had that game as well, but I guess, what are you guys seeing from them that's allowed them to get over the hump?
2: I mean, I don't know if it's different than any other years, but I mean, Brownsburg, they don't, their offense doesn't revolve just around Whitaker. I mean, they have a stable of, of backs with uh, Marcus and Churro that, but they've always had great backs at Brownsburg, and they have a really talented offensive line, so I guess maybe Corey Smith, is, is he kind of the, the difference? I mean, he's just, he's a really great jump ball receiver. He's a really talented kid. Um, maybe he's the X-Factor because if Whitaker's, if, if his mobility is compromised, he will need to operate from the pocket. So yeah, if you have a receiver like Corey Smith, you, he doesn't even need to be open to catch the ball. So maybe he's kind of the X-Factor there, but they've always had a talented running game, and they have two talented backs, like I said. So if they don't have Whitaker's feet, then they have two two backs to kind of rely on. So I think the offense can continue to Operate smoothly, but I wonder if he faced uh, like a really talented pass rush. Will he be compromised in that moment? Like right. maybe that's when the the ankle injury will show up a little bit more. But it seems like they weren't able to get heat on him, and he kind of could do what he wanted. So no, nope, I feel like Brownsburg's just a well-oiled machine.
1: They are there defensively too. Years past, it's kind of been like, all right, they can put up points. Like the Hunter Johnson uh, teams that they had, they could score. They couldn't stop people. Like Ben Davis was too fast for them. And now their defense, I think, is just more. Uh, from secondary to the line just more well balanced they have playmakers at every every uh, spot as they showed with those two interceptions for touchdowns and uh, so i think that's maybe if you're looking in years past maybe that's a difference uh and also like i i agree with corey smith is definitely a kind of guy that they haven't had a lot uh in in the past years uh, so to have that playmaker or receiver i think kind of uh, sets them apart a little bit as far as Previous years, uh, in my opinion, but but yeah, I think they're uh, they're legit. I mean, all year long they were ranked, uh, or not all year, but towards the end of the year they were ranked number one. And if not for that injury uh, to Whitaker, they probably still would be. Uh, you know, but credit HSC uh, for winning that game, but. Uh, but, yeah, I think they're as well, uh, you know, I wrote that Monday. I think they're as maybe well-equipped as anybody uh, to win a state championship. We've
0: been neglecting to mention at the top of the show, among all the hoopla that we were at, Brabuff Jesuit High School. Um, the Brabuff uh, moved on in the playoffs to the win over Mooresville on Friday. That was a game that I covered. And then the next day their soccer team went out and won, uh, won a thrilling overtime game against um, Mishawaka Marion to win their second consecutive state title in soccer, which, again, just completes a, a remarkable turnaround. We can talk about them a little bit later. Um, I'll just talk quickly about the Mooresville-Brabuff game. The big takeaway was Brabuff's defense, just an incredible job bottling up Nick Patterson. Um, the offense wasn't able to pull quite away, you know, to, to put that game away early, but I think that's more of a testament to just Mooresville's defense doing a good job than anything else in the first half and just sort of keeping them in that game for long stretches when, honestly, they probably didn't have any business being in that game, um, just just with how Brabuff looked on on both sides of the ball there for stretches. but. Credit to Mooresville. They, they they held in there strong. Their defense gave them a chance. The offense just wasn't quite able to break through. Um, and, yeah, Brubuff moves on now to face Roncalli, a team that they hung with during the regular season. And, Kyle, we talked about it on your Spaces show, which folks can listen to on Twitter after uh, every Friday night. But th- the final score wasn't indicative of the final result, and that was the big talking point from Brubuff's head coach after the game was we were in that game, you know, we were playing them close, and that's, that gives them a lot of confidence, a lot of reason for optimism going into to the rematch on Friday night. Um, with that said, Akeem, which game did you have, and, and what were your takeaways?
2: Yeah, I had New Pal versus Greenfield Central. Uh, New Pal won thirty-three to nine, and um, New Pal. I mean, they, they won pretty handily. But kind of the main takeaway is um, they lost Grayson Thomas on the, the, his second carry of the game. His first carry goes for an eleven-yard touchdown. His second carry, he's you know grabbing his knee and he's down, and he doesn't. Re- he did not return to the game. Uh, but Kyler Crop, the, the kind of the slot receiver, he plays running back as well, but he stepped in. You know, obviously to replace Thomas and did. Really really well he had uh, over a hundred yards in the first half and I mean he just kind of as a, his first drive was kind of keeps kind of feeling his way but then as the game progressed he just continued to rip off you know 9 10 12 yard runs every time he touched the ball and then the defense was great as well you know Michael Thacker on the defensive line had a, had a couple sacks and pressures Isaiah Thacker and Daniel Thacker both had interceptions uh and then Isaiah Thacker also caught a touchdown pass so it was a Thacker family reunion at, at New Pal, like I said on Kyle Space's show and no i just think um New Pal just continues to be a dominant force and you know, you'd hate you hate to see a kid like Thomas go down. I believe he had fifteen hundred yards. Um, he has fifteen hundred yards this season. So, but they're they they're kind of they don't really need to rely on one player. With Crop, he looked really good, and obviously Tippett's a really talented quarterback as well, who can run a little bit and throw. So it, it'll be I'll be interested to see you know if Thomas can come back and when he comes back and how he looks when he comes back. But I expect Newpiled to continue rolling.
0: Um Akeem, I like your shirt, the Reggie Miller choke symbol game, and I think that's a perfect segue to the pick segment because <laughs> yes. Kyle did not choke away the lead. In
1: fact he built upon the lead. Um <laughs> it's a
0: tough tough weekend for you. I'm interested to see how you bounce back. But Kyle, just thoughts on your performance.
1: It was great. I thought I actually beat him by more than one, but wow. I'll take the one uh you know, go up by two now and, and protect my lead. Just go into uh Defend lead mode. Go go into the turtle mode.
0: So to prevent Kyle from doing that, we've introduced a new game. (laughs) We're going to add a wild card game wherein we let the boys pick out a game at random to finish. Will this work as we get into later rounds and there are fewer games? No, but that's okay. This was done because Akeem pointed out a game that Kyle missed. So instead of adding it and making the game list longer, we're going to let the boys pick out a game that they feel comfortable picking. We'll see how it goes. It's just a fun twist on an otherwise wonderful product, um, which is really sort of exciting.
1: Brian just throwing stuff at us here yeah. mid show. Yeah, yeah. This is how they found out. As Clark shakes his head. Yeah, Clark might actually kill me. <laughs> so we're
0: going to jump right into the first game of the week, and that's going to be Lutheran 11 and 0 taking on Covenant Christian 8 and 3. And Kyle, that game is going to be played right here. It is. at Purbeuf Jesuit.
1: It is uh, Covenant played. Uh, so they don't have a home field necessarily. They play it zinesville west middle school a lot last week they played at danville because danville is on the road so this week they're coming here to play and uh, should be a really fun game this might be lutheran's toughest test before uh, you know if they can win this they would probably have a good chance to go back to the state finals but uh, it's a matchup of the last two 1a state champions lutheran of course last year coming at the year before in the pandemic year won their first sectional and first state championship uh, so this is a it's a it's a good matchup. Lutheran barely beat them last year. It was probably their toughest game before the state finals. Uh, and Lutheran, really at, at eleven and zero, neither of these teams has given up a point yet in their two sectional games. So uh, they've been both been really dominant. Uh, uh, Micah. Micah Mackey has uh, 1,100, over 1,100 yards receiving for this uh, Lutheran team. So, you know, Covenant Christian has good athletes, good players. Uh, Tony Flatt's been a quarterback. He was on that team two years ago, played defense, and uh, was was their best player on that side of the ball. But, uh, you know, I just think anybody picking against Lutheran at this point, and we'll see if Hakeem does, but uh, I, I don't think that's probably a smart move. So I'll take the Saints. Kyle
2: or Akeem? Yeah, no, like like Kyle was saying, I mean, Lutheran is just, again, another juggernaut on offense, averaging 50 points per, uh, per game. Uh, Jackson Willis, 38 touchdowns, only four interceptions. And like Kyle was saying, McKay and Kerbryan Shelby, 13 and 12 receiving touchdowns, respectively, between, them, between the two of them. And they have a thousand yard rusher in Joe Davis as well. So mm-hmm. I just, yeah, I can't pick against Lutheran in that offense that they have. They're just just playing too well right now.
0: There you go. If that doesn't have you prepared for the first game of the week, I don't know what will. Uh, let's move on to Noblesville, 4-6. and six. Let's pause real quick and talk about the Millers. How about that, a win over Zionsville? I know both of you guys picked it, trying to outsmart the other one, but but legitimately, in all seriousness, that was a really impressive win by Noblesville.
1: It was, and and, and to your point, too, uh, how about the weekend Noblesville had? I know, Brian, yeah. you, were there, you were there to see the uh, – Which, I covered the boys, and you covered the girls, but, uh, you know, and in cross country. So, they had three state championships. They had not only one Friday, they had three state championships on uh, on Saturday. And the
0: boys cross country team finished top five, I think I saw on Twitter. Just a remarkable weekend.
1: Yeah, I think it's uh, the first time that's ever been done, and I was, you know, looking at that, and hopefully we'll have a little bit of something more on that, but... Uh, but just amazing, you could have that type of a day. But yeah, football-wise, I mean, what a uh, you know what a big win. And, you, and I hear from a lot of people like, will this uh, this uh, T formation, the full formation they run, can it actually work in 6A? And I I talk to people who's you know who kind of are like, yeah, they need to get rid of this offense. They need to you know run the spread or whatever. But I will say, if you believe in a system and you get your offensive line to where they can block, you know, this system. I mean, nothing else has worked at Noblesville. Let's be honest for a long time. So, uh, credit what Dave Sharp has done there, and they obviously ran the ball uh, really well. Last time against Westfield, they lost thirty-four, uh, thirty-three. They ran for three hundred forty-six yards in that game. So that uh, you know that, and that's a really good Westfield team. Uh, you know, and all that said, I mean, Westfield. You know, they beat Carmel last week. Uh, Dylan Thieneman's back playing both sides of the ball. You know, so and Kendall Garrett. Uh, had 143 rushing yards in that game, so really, you know, it's going to be a tall task for Noblesville. But just to get into this game, I think shows the progress they're making. I'll take Westfield, but uh, credit Noblesville for what they're doing. Westfield beat Carmel
0: handily, correct? Mm-hmm.
1: Twenty-eight to nine.
0: Yep. Akeem?
2: Yeah. No. Kyle pretty much said it all there with uh, Kendall uh, Garrett. It's kind of coming on with the uh, at running back. Cole Ballard is again kind of finding himself as well. So um, I'm going to pick Westfield as well.
0: All right, both boys are in on Westfield. Um, Another quick note on the Noblesville thing um, before we move on to the next game. Meredith Tippner and Merritt McLaughlin are the first athletes to win two state championships. They won Mm -hmm. for both soccer and girls basketball earlier this year. So that's a fun fact. First ones to do it in Noblesville uh, since Courtney Cox Cole and Megan Pote. Um, so as the only that's multi-state awesome. champions in, in school history. So that's pretty neat. fun fact to know and tell. Um, let's talk about Decatur Central four and six at Plainfield five and five. Um, Akeem, is this uh, Decatur Central? Or is this the Decatur Central that we we're expecting to see all year?
2: Um- I, I guess so. I mean, I, I know they came in with a lot of expectations, and uh, I was actually at their first game of the season where they, they didn't look great. I know they had a freshman quarterback and Bull Polston, and uh, they feel, they seemed like they needed to kind of get their offense straightened out, and that seems to be coming to fruition now with the kind of the numbers they're putting up, but Plain, Plainfield's defense actually played really well in their sectional game. They forced four turnovers in that win. Um Plainfield won the first meeting between these two teams, but um, I'm going to go Decatur Central. I just think, again, the offense is kind of maturing, and they, they have playmakers as well. That kind of that, that kind of stood out to me when I saw them for the first meeting, that they were just getting really close on connecting on some deep balls, and once that chemistry kind of develops, they could be able to put up some points. I'm going Decatur Central.
1: Kyle? Yeah, I, I agree with Hakeem. I think the probably the overall talent level is on Decatur Central's side slightly once they're all healthy. And Asen Stevens playing again. He had been out for a little while, so they're 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 uh, geared up, I think. And and Plainfield, this is their first. Uh uh, their chance to win their first sectional title in, in 22 years, and uh, Brian Woodard. This is the end, you know their next loss will be his last game as coach. He's he's uh, stepping aside and going to do other things, and after 17 years at Plainfield, so that's sort of an emotional uh, you know thing that the Quakers can do is is try to win one for him. He's never won a sectional before, so uh, and they already have their head coach in place on on staff. So, uh, but yeah, yeah, you know, from the Talent stand. Even though Plainfield beat them earlier this year, I think probably Decatur Central is maybe the better pick. But I'll kind of pick a slight upset, I think, and and take Plainfield here. What could be a you know very uh, interesting game. Teams that know each other really well, and Decatur Central has really owned this series uh, for a long time. Even though Plainfield won earlier this year, so. Uh, I'll take the slight upset and go with the Quakers. First game
0: of the week that the two differed on was Decatur Central and Plainfield. Kyle taking Plainfield, Akeem taking Decatur Central. Um, Kyle, we'll stay with you. Martinsville, 8-3, and three, traveling to East Central, 9-2. and two.
1: Yeah, so this is a tall task. Uh, East Central, uh, uh, Cole Burton at quarterback, Josh Ringer at running back. And uh, that's quite a uh, – and Ryan Brotherton at receiver. I saw these guys play last year. Uh, it's kind of the three, you know, whatever you the, – the trio of doom or whatever. <laughs> they're, really, they're all really good players. And this is a program that's always very tough. So Martinsville, unfortunately, you kind of would hope they'd get a play at home. they got to go again down to East Central, pretty far trip. Uh, down by Cincinnati but uh, you know I think Martinsville is going to be there they kind of have their own trio with uh, Adkins, uh, Shrake and Skaggs and Skaggs is I think over a thousand yards receiving now. Uh, so I think they're better equipped than they were last year. Last year they lost 37-7 in this game. I think they'll be able to put up more points on East Central. Uh, but East Central again I mean just very uh, athletic on uh, defense as well and they play a good schedule. They almost beat Ron Colley so that kind of shows you what uh, they're made of. So I'm going to take East Central uh, but, uh, but again, Martinsville turning the corner under Brian Duggar. They've had a really good year, and uh, it's too bad they have to run into these guys right now.
2: Akeem? Yeah, look, like Kyle said, I mean, Atkins uh, 700 yards and 10 touchdowns over his last three games. He was over 300 yards uh, last week. But, uh, again, I'm going uh, East Central as well. I mean, Josh Ring- Ringer is just kind of an impressive running back. He's kind of built like a tight end almost with the way he runs. But he, could, he has speed to pull away, and you know, it seems like the first tackler never takes him down. So, with Ringer kind of toting the ball, I think uh, East Central has a good chance to win the game. And I'm picking him to win the game.
1: I think he'll be a D1 running back, by the way. He's, he's really good, really fast for his size, too. Yeah.
2: Whiteland, 9-1, and one at Franklin, 8-2. Hakim. Yeah, so Franklin, obviously they were able to advance. Uh, the quarterback, Clay Pinnock, got injured in the first half. Backup uh, Grayson Betts came in, and he seemed to give them a spark You know, in the middle portion of the season, so they they don't seem to lose anything when he comes into the game, but I'm not sure who is going to end up playing, so that could factor in depending on who is playing at quarterback. Um, yeah, Franklin, actually they needed to come back in the second half. They outscored Terrell at South 14 to nothing in the second half, so they didn't start great, but obviously they finished well. I say all that to say I'm picking Whiteland. <laughs> I just <laughs> there think he is. W- Whiteland has a good quarterback, and Kevin Denham, he's kind of a steady presence there. They have uh, John Crowley, who was a, kind of the big play guy, and then uh, Ethan, uh, Emberton, Peyton Emberton is kind of the steady workhorse back, and uh, they have uh, Nyrus Moore-Smith as well at playmaker, so I just think Whiteland has kind of the weapons to get it done. And obviously, I guess Franklin has the ultimate playmaker in Max Clark, but uh, depending on the quarterback situation and what they can do, uh, and just the defense needs to step up as well. It's just kind of a tall task for Franklin. So I'm going Whiteland.
1: Kyle? Yeah, it was 21-0 last time. But like uh, Keem, met, you know, Max Clark didn't play that. He was at the USA Baseball uh, thing. And he, he missed a few weeks. And that was one of the games. So uh, different offense. Uh, Franklin actually had to block a field goal uh, against uh, Tarot South. Uh, I think there was like nine seconds left it was a pretty short field goal so they're barely you know they're probably feeling like all right we survived now we get this matchup with our rival and uh, again a series kind of like decatur plainfield where whiteland has dominated this series uh, for a long time uh, and, and so that's kind of another thing kind of hanging over franklin's heads a little bit but you know i really like uh, whiteland I, when you can run the ball like they can i, I always prefer a team that can do that and uh, i'm going to take them to win although last time they played uh, you know they had 264 rushing yards or 288 rushing yards, uh, but one of those was on a really long run. So they did a decent job against the run. They'll have to do that again to have any chance. I think if Franklin can kind of keep it a, you know 20 in the you know, in the low 20s, maybe they would have a chance. But I'm going to take Whiteland.
0: Uh, Bishop Chittard, 7-4 and four at Garen Catholic, 7-4. and four. Battle of the 7-4 and four teams, Kyle.
1: Yeah, and this game right went down to the wire uh, a few weeks ago. Garen had a two-point conversion inside a minute left. It was 31-30. Uh, decided to go for two after they scored. Didn't get it. So they were that close to beating Chittard. So people may uh, forget that or maybe not know that. But you know that, that's how close it was last time. Chittard moving back down from uh, 4A last year. They're back in 3A now where they've really been dominant uh, for a long time. and. You know people haven't seen Chattard lately they're a passing team you know you you look at their history and they're always like run the ball run the ball they're kind of like ron collie is now uh but with the uh, drew van Vleet, uh noah Dudek and aiden duncan at receiver those guys uh really good yard i think dudek has got uh, almost 700 yards duncan about 600 uh, so that's really good numbers and that's how they generate their offense it's kind of similar for garen they'll they'll want to throw the ball too and uh, Max fremion has got a thousand yards receiving, so I would expect probably another high-scoring type of game, and I think Shatard will uh, pull it out again. Kim,
2: yeah, like Kyle was saying, I mean, Drew Van Fleet he's like six-five, big pocket passer. Again, yeah, Shatard uh, really spreads you out, and Flynn Fleet really just stands in the pocket and, and really connects with his receivers. They love to throw the deep ball, so he's really impressive just watching him play. So I'm going Shatard. Only one game so far. The boys are different on as we reach the midway point. We'll have at least two with this
0: in the wild card game, I think. Uh, Rebuff Jesuits, 7-3. and three. They're going to travel to Roncalli, 10-1, the game that we just talked about. Hakeem, are we going to see an upset here?
2: Um, no, I'm, I'm not picking an upset. Uh, normally we love to pick the home team, show the home teams <laughs> in love, but I just think Ron Roncalli is kind of just uh, too much to, to, to ask with obviously the offensive line and the running game, and the, the defense is, is playing good as well. So I'm going Ron Roncalli. Kyle?
1: Yeah, I, I agree. Although you had a chance, Brian, to see uh, Burbuff last week. They have forced 29 turnovers this season on defense. They're going to make things tough uh, for Ron Colley. I think they're going to have a good game plan ready for them. They led last game, even though it was 31 to uh, 14. Uh, it was 14-10 Burbuff at halftime. So they know they can – You know that shows they can play and, and, and potentially beat Ron Colley. Uh, but, again, Luke Hansen, they really leaned on him in the second half. He had 240-something yards rushing in that game, and uh, they kind of – methodically pulled away like they do. Uh, and now you have that, that new pal lurking out there as your next game. So Ron Roncalli has to focus on this one before that one would even happen. Uh, so it's a tough game. I mean, I, I think it's like one of those, you might look back and say it's kind of a, maybe a trap game if Burbuff wins it, but they know Burbuff. They know how tough this team is. So I think that possibly works to Ron Roncalli's advantage, I haven't seen him before. Uh, and I was over there yesterday for another story and I, I can tell you they're very locked in on they're not looking ahead at all. So I'm gonna take Ron Collie, but I think this will be the final score I think will be closer than last game and I think it's a four quarter. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Burbuff had a lead in the you know late in this game, but I, I just feel like Ron Collie with what they've done all year is probably the pick. Cathedral eight and one, traveling to Lawrence Central at five and five, Kyle. I'm sorry, Brian, what'd you say? Oh, no, you're
0: okay. Uh, Cathedral 8-1, and 1, they're traveling to Lawrence Central 5-5. Okay.
1: Yeah, so this, again, rivalry game. These schools uh, don't play each other a lot, but they're right next door to each other pretty much. Their players know each other. You know, I covered a lot of these basketball games through the years, and it's it's always very <clears throat> uh, heated, I would say, uh, when these schools play each other. And also, Bill Peoples was the LC coach for a couple of years, uh, left to go to Cathedral, uh, probably, was that, four or five years ago. Uh, his alma mater, Cathedral. So, you know, there's also that element to it, and I, I really, I, I would want to see this game in person too. I'm, I'm kind of, was kind of going between this one and uh, the one I will be covering, but, you know, I, I just, I feel like this is again, when you look at Cathedral all year long, and they ran the ball really well last game for probably one of the only times this year. I think uh, Carson Johnson had over 200 yards against L. N. They had to really fight to win that game. Another Lawrence team that wanted to to beat them really bad, uh, 44 to 35, but. You know, so I feel like if they get that element going to go with the pass, I mean, they're virtually unstoppable on offense. Now You've got a Lawrence Central defense that's got all kinds of talent too, and they'll be able to throw a lot of a lot of guys on those big receivers, uh, you know, including Trent uh, Booker Baker who's going to Virginia. So you've got guys on that on that Lawrence Central team that can really play. And to me, the key of the whole thing though is can Elijah Jackson and LC run the ball, keep the ball away from Cathedral uh, to a certain extent, and uh, and grind things out. And I think they can. I, I really do. I, I think it's going to be. Uh, again, I think it's going to be a really good game. A lot of emotion. Uh, my my uh, in my head though says Cathedral. I think is going to be the team that comes out of here with the win. And you know, but again, I'm. I always couch this, but I, it seems like. But I, I really feel like this is going to be a, a game that could go either way.
2: Yeah, I mean, again, it's going to be an interesting matchup kind of with a spread offense at Cathedral, and then do you really want to spread out and put your quarterback in shotgun when you have Josh Mickens coming off the edge, and how many times do you want to do that? How do you want to block that? Do you want to use Bootin as an extra blocker when he's such a great receiver? Because you're going to have to pay a lot of attention to Mickens, so that that's going to be an intriguing matchup that could honestly kind of swing the game, and, and again, like Kyle said, they got the safety Booker Baker back there controlling the, the secondary, and that's another kind of advantage if you have someone over the top of Jaron Tibbs, so it, 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 on paper, it it's definitely seems like it's going to be pretty close. But I think a Cathedral just kind of – a lot of this is going to fall on Danny O'Neill. He yeah. can't make mistakes. I would imagine with the pressure and the secondary that L.C. has, they're going to put him in position to make some mistakes. And if they can capitalize on that, maybe L.C. can pull it out. But my heart is just telling me Cathedral, that they pull out a close game. Going to
0: pause real quickly. Ka- uh, Clark, we need to get one of those for next time we go golfing. <laughs> one of those massive air blowers. Please and thank you. <laughs> Um, next game up, Cecina 10 and one is traveling to Triton Central nine and two, Akeem.
2: Yeah, Sassina's uh, D line was kind of the, the story of, of this the, the first meeting between these two games, coming up with a goal line stand to win the game. Uh, I've, I've had a chance to cover Sassina multiple times. Adam Young and Tamir Woods are the the real deal, kind of at defensive tackling, uh, defensive end, respectively. Just they're really good penetrators, and they do a really good job of kind of mucking things up and making things difficult. And uh, DJ Mendez, a quarterback, and is a dual threat guy that can get it done with his arm and legs. Uh, so I'm going Sassina.
1: Kyle. Yeah, again, this is uh, I think uh, probably one of the best games. If you had to pick one, there's probably three that are all all could be number one. This might be the bet, you know. This again, this came down to a two point conversion, uh, kind of like the shatard uh, to Garen game did. Uh, Triton had a chance. They got a uh, a penalty on the two pointer, so they ended up getting moved up to what the one and a half yard line. They go for it. They don't quite run it in. I keep mentioned that Cena defense was able to stack up and and hold them out. So. You know, they, again, that could have gone either way. I think, you know, being at home, Triton Central, may that may help. Cecina's mostly dominated this series, through, but they've been a lot of close games. Like, they seems like almost every year Cecina beats them in a really tight game. Uh, but I'm going to go, again, with a slight upset here and take Triton Central. Uh, I may not be the smart pick, I think, but uh, if it come down to a two-point conversion last time, maybe they get it this time and win uh, on that play. Who knows? Game
0: is officially a position to potentially tie this thing up,
1: or I could go up by four. You're looking at it from the glass half empty for me. Listen, I'm just trying to support my guy here.
0: Uh, Lastly, before we get to the new wild card round, which will have fireworks and I'm still confused by that wild
1: card. (laughs) Yeah, I am too. That's okay. That was Clark's idea. Uh, Hamilton
0: Southeastern, ten and zero. I might not live through this show, folks. Hamilton Southeastern, ten and zero. A Med Sox rivalry rematch with Fishers at seven and three. Akeem, I think we finished with you last time. What do you make of the mud rematch?
2: Yeah, I've, I've yet to had a chance to experience this live, but I mean, just from being at HSC and seeing kind of the atmosphere against Brownsburg, I can only imagine what it's like when Fishers comes uh, and uh, when they're facing off Fishers. I know this game will be at Fishers, but just the intensity that these two teams have, and the passion and the pageantry and all that stuff. But I think HSC might have the best playmaker in uh, and, and Donovan Hamilton. Just he, seeing him in person for the first time, I'm definitely a believer. Just he can – when, if the ball's in the air, he's going to come down and get it. He's a great contested catch receiver. Uh, Brattle, they seem to have a great chemistry between them. Uh, Fishers, obviously, a contrast with the, the running game, the two-headed uh, kind of attack that they have, kind of trying to get it done through the ground. So that'll be interesting to see, kind of, again, the contrasting style. One can get it done through the air. The other one likes to get it done on the ground. Defense will obviously obviously be key. But uh, HSC, they, they they looked really good against a Brownsburg team, again, in the game that I saw. So if you can contain Brownsburg's rushing attack, then um, they might have a good chance of stopping Fishers as well. So I'm going HSC.
1: Kyle? Yeah, that's a good point, Akeem. But last time they didn't stop, Kobe Martin ran really well against them. So, you know, I, I don't know how, you know, what changes uh, from the from that game. Obviously, it's a new game, a new game plan, a new everything. You start 0-0 again. But I really think Fishers is going to be able to lean on Martin and Dunn and uh, and really try to keep the ball away from HSE. That, that game felt like Fishers was about to win it. Uh, in the fourth quarter, they and then HSC had a long drive. Uh, Brantman kind of ran wild on them there in the fourth quarter. Uh, they found something with him and, and took advantage of it. Then in overtime, you know, Fisher's just—I don't know if it was a bad snap or what on the doesn't matter now. But the extra point, they didn't even get it off, and end up uh, HSC scores makes their extra point and ends up winning the game. Uh, in just it was felt like a kind of a crushing. <laughs> Uh, emotional loss for Fishers because man, you had your rival on the ropes, and uh, and it would have been a huge win for them. It was it ended up being a great game and an, and an awesome atmosphere? And I expect similar. I'll be at the different place uh, at Fishers uh, than it was in the in the first game. It doesn't matter; those schools are so close to each other. It feels like the same place. Uh, there's really no home field advantage necessarily. But uh, but I, I just I I Akeem brought up a good point on Donovan Hamilton. I think he's an X factor and really. I, I don't know how you can pick against HSC partly because they just find ways to win. They oh, don't. You
2: faked me out, Kyle. <laughs> yeah, I know. I
1: well, I was going to pick Fishers honestly, but I think I Here, think HSC pick. is the uh, not today, but in my in my picks online. Uh, but I was going back and forth. I just feel like HSC with what they've done all year. I feel like their passing game's a little bit better than Fishers, and I think that may that may be a factor as well. They're not a team that's going to blow you out, so I expect this will be a really good game, close game. Uh, but I'm going to take the Royals, and uh, I mean it's kind of a. You got to tip your hat to what they've done uh, all season, and, and credit to Michael Kelly, their coach there, uh, who's really—you know—they've—they've they, kind of come up from uh, pretty not way far down. They have a lot of talent, but really got this program going in the right direction.
0: All right, wildcard time. Akeem, there is a game that was neglected, left off the list that you really (laughs) wanted to pick, so what game was that, and who were you picking?
2: Yeah, that was uh, Danville versus Monrovia, and Danville hates Danville, apparently. Yeah, Danville's just been kind of these scrappy underdogs, or I mean, at least to us, (laughs) you know, they probably don't appreciate that at (laughs) all, but I understand they had a change of quarterback midseason that's kind of propelled them and kind of obviously allowed them to go on this run, Um, so yeah, I just wanted to shout out Danville, and I, I... are you if, picking? if if I had to pick, I'm picking Danville. I don't know if this is an official pick, oh, it's but an official pick. if Danville wins, and well, it definitely is, and if depending on Kyle's pick, we'll see.
0: I was waiting for him to go the other <laughs> way, be like, I'm actually picking Monrovia. Having said I, all that, go Monrovia.
1: That's what I expected to happen because I'm picking Dan. I already picked Danville in ah, my pick, okay, so well. I. You can throw that out the window. Yeah, no, no drama, guys. Sorry.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, I guess we'll just scrap
1: that idea. Thanks, guys, for letting that fall
0: down the toilet. I thought it was a good idea. He Whatever. should
1: have to pick Monrovia because he no, asked, no. He <laughs> ha- he asked he for He should. It. <laughs> no, he really no. should. Um,
0: Kyle, what do you have coming up this week?
1: Uh, yeah, so I've got a uh, – actually, I had a story came out today, kind of a fun one on Indian Creek's coach, uh, Casey Gillen, uh, had to miss Friday's game. Unfortunately, they lost by one point. Uh, his wife, uh, her water broke Friday morning. <sighs> And uh, so he had all his stuff with him, was ready to hopefully have the baby, then go to the game. Uh, But the baby. Uh, was not quite ready to be born yet, so uh, he was in the hospital. He, she was born, I think, uh, two 2:50 2 a.m. Saturday. Uh, so he listened to the radio, pulled pulled up the app on his phone, uh, listened on the radio on his headphones. He had his play sheet in front of him. He wasn't calling any plays, but uh, living and dying with every uh, every call. And unfortunately, like I said, they lost to Batesville by one point. But pretty funny because Casey's the son of Mike Gillen, the Mooresville coach. So I called Mike yesterday and. And he's like, I would have picked uh, going to the game. He's very, (laughs) very honest uh, grandpa. Now, he was with uh, Casey Saturday morning, but uh, kind of a full circle. And people can read the story online. But Mike actually missed when Casey was born in 1984. He was coaching at Tri-West. He missed the day before the game. Casey was born on, I think, a Thursday. And then uh, he coached the game on Friday against Sheridan. They lost 6-0. But Casey's never lived it down that he cost them the preparation (laughs) to lose the (laughs) semi-state game against Sheridan. So it all comes full circle. Casey made the right decision, obviously, to be with his wife, who's I talked to her, too, and she was very understanding of his emotions. But kind of a fun uh, story about uh, high school football. But it, but I got that. We got uh, predictions. And, uh, Ron Colley? Uh Yeah, I got a Ron Colley story coming up on uh, Luke Schwartz. I talked to him yesterday. Very inspiring young person. He's got a great story to tell. And, uh, and yeah, and I don't – Brian, you're rolling out the basketball stuff. so
0: Yeah, yeah. I'll, we'll get to that in a second. Akeem, we're going to let you have the floor. What do you got?
2: Uh, I think I got Butler tonight, and then I'll have some more Butler in the future, and then um, some wrestling stuff and some college basketball stuff. So a little bit of everything. He's a
0: man of many hats, and he's second in the <laughs> picks competition. It's impressive what Akeem has done this season. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. (laughs) Thanks, Brian. Again, before Clark kills all of us. Just
1: you. Brandishing
0: the knife at all three of us (laughs) to get this over with. Lots of basketball coverage. Um, First, check out all the soccer coverage. We have coverage from all six games. Kyle and I and Lewis Bagley and Grace and Doug McSchooler, we have coverage from all six games. And Kyle Scoklin from Evansville, we have coverage from all six games. So check that out online if you like soccer basketball we have yesterday was the super team today was the fab 15 a viewers guide and in case you missed it because a lot of stuff happened during the offseason believe it or not between the best player in the state transferring and coaching changes and recruiting and all that stuff so we have a guide to get you caught up from there it was honestly a helpful refresher for me even as i go into this thing tomorrow or today probably as you're watching this show you can find a story that we did with the super team where we asked them their favorite and least favorite gyms to play in a lot of love for brownsburg a lot of less love for fishers um And then the toughest player at the head of guard, which added some cool responses, especially hearing from kids who played Sidney Parrish, a full-grown senior, Mm. as freshman, and just sort of being terrified (laughs) of that whole experience going in. Made for some really fun stories. Um, And also state volleyball is this weekend. There was a nightmarish scenario, which would have been awesome, don't get me wrong, but from, uh, I don't know, my sanity standpoint, it would have been scary. We almost had four teams get through to the state championship, which just speaks to the level of volleyball that's being played here in central Indiana, Akeem. It's amazing. Um, one team got through. That was Hamilton Southeastern. I think everybody else darn near went five sets, I want to say. I want to say three. Of the two of the two of the three others went five sets, which is, again, just a testament to the, to the depth of talent. Um but we'll have a story on Sophie Ludbetter, Hamilton Southeastern's libero, who moved there from attacker. So she's sort of flipping to the other side of the game. That'll be cool. And then a preview thing and coverage Saturday. I'm covering North Central, Westfield. You'll have some coverage of that tonight by the time you watch this. Um, and then this weekend we're covering – Four things, three basketball games, uh, Ben Davis Classic, Um, Zionsville-Lawrence Central is going to be wild with the Lampley girls going up against Layla Hall from Zionsville, and then obviously volleyball night. That's all I got. I apologize for filibustering. Clark, I'm so sorry. We thank you all so much for watching. We'll be back with you all next week right here. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of –